Amen. Well, church, as you're having a seat, if you have a Bible, if you would open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We are continuing in our series of Advent as we lead up to Christmas. Uh, I'm going to read for us Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read the same passage that we read at the Advent reading, but I'm going to go a little bit earlier. I'm going to start in verse 1. We'll be in 1 through 14. I'm going to read, then we're going to jump in. Luke 2, 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them at the inn. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, And there suddenly was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now Luke 2 is probably up there with the Lord's Prayer and maybe even Psalm 23. If you're a Christian or even if you're a not non-Christian, you've probably, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just sort of like baked into us, right? When you, it, almost instantly when you hear our Father who art in heaven, you know that's the Lord's Prayer, right? Or it, when you begin to hear, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, Psalm 23 It's almost like osmosis when you become a Christian. And the very same thing is true of these words right here when we read, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Maybe that's because of Charlie Brown, but right? So, but this is like in us, right? We just, we know this. We know this is the birth of Christ. This is Christmas. And it's just magical. We hear those words. We love these words. I love these words. But the only problem with repetitious words is they often lose their meaning, don't they? Words that we're all too familiar with in an attempt to hold them close by memorizing them, by knowing them, by hearing them over and over again. The problem is, is they often lose their meaning because they become so familiar to us that they lose the very purpose and meaning that they were meant to bring. That's the problem with us as humans. But church, this morning I want us to remember these words are huge, These words are huge. These words are spoken by an angel on behalf of God to the human race. That's enormous. Think about that. An angel 
telling human beings like you and I what Christmas is all about. These angels are proclaiming the most critical issues of human existence, and they say it in just a few short sentences. And the last verse in this text sort of has haunted me this week. It's sort of, I've, I've sat on it. It's, it's marked me. I couldn't get past it. And it's the same one we read in our Advent reading. And I want us to read it again and have it sort of uh, guide our time this morning a little bit as we're in this passage thinking about Christmas and what Jesus means for us. But I want to read it. We, we read it in the NIV and it was read in the NIV, or I'm sorry, in the ESV this morning. I want to read it to you in the NIV. It's another translation that I love. Um, and this is what it says in the NIV. Remember, the angels showed up in dramatic fashion to the most unlikely of audiences, these shepherds, and this is what is proclaimed. Here's the NIV. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I love that translation. The image of God's favor resting on a people because of Jesus, because he's come. And so this theme emerging that first Christmas, the night that Jesus shows up, the long-promised one, the long-awaited one, the harking of the angels, the running of the shepherds to find this baby, this image is what we have, is God's favor resting on a people. Resting on a people. Don't you love that image? Isn't that incredible? And think about this. It's not God's favor landing lightly on a people. It's not, that, it's not that it just sort of it tiptoes. It's like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to land there. It's not his favor coming and going based on our performance or how well we've done that week or if we've lived up to whatever standard. But that first Christmas, God Almighty's favor resting on a people because of Jesus, ever present for his glory and for our joy. That's Christmas. Now, how are we going to understand this image? How are we going to understand this? This is, this is the deepest longing that I think we have as people. We have this craving for intimacy with our God. Intimacy is, is full of the welcome of God. It's full of the delight of God. And this intimacy and this favor, we long for it. It's this delight that rests on us by God that is found in the Lord Jesus because of the good news of the gospel that is proclaimed that very first Christmas. So let's walk through this text quickly and see how the favor of God rests on us on a people because of that first Christmas. Verse eight, I'm gonna start in verse eight. In that same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. These familiar verses. Now these shepherds are not just sort of your ordinary run-of-the-mill shepherds. <clears throat> these are shepherds of what's called of the Migdal Eater. And it means the hill of the flock or the tower of the flock. And these shepherds, that night that the angel appeared to were located just outside of Jerusalem. That's where Bethlehem is. And these shepherds raised lambs for sacrifice in the temple. These lambs that were born will be the lambs that will die to atone for the sins of men so that the favor of God may once again rest on his people. 
They needed atonement. And these were the shepherds that raised these lambs that were destined to die in Jerusalem. So these shepherds were very special. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the appearance of the glory of the Lord shone around them. Listen to verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Was visible. Now to a Jew, the glory of God would have always throughout the scriptures has a very specific sort of prescription or recipe when they encounter the glory of God. When they, what does it mean to them? It means the holy of holies, the very presence of God is manifest in front of them. And so the glory of God rests and is shown around these shepherds, right? And, and they're, they're terrified. Now, this is not really an American response. Americans, when they see things that are sort of awe-inspiring and kind of crazy, we take out our cell phones, we do an Insta story, we're like, check this out, or we get a selfie, glory to the Lord, right? But this is not what happened when the shepherds encountered this moment, right? Their response is in, in, in perfect alignment with the glory of the Lord showing up all over the Old Testament and in the New Testament is it says that they are filled with great fear, The glory of God shows up and they know, whoa, I am unworthy. The glory of God is shining around them. And I'm not, me, a sinful, broken human, I'm not even worthy to stand in the presence. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. We see this all over scripture. When Jesus pulls in the miraculous amount of fish when he's first calling the disciples, Peter says, Jesus, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He knew the glory of God just did something. And he says, you need to get away from me because I am not worthy to be even right here with what you just did. Isaiah, he experiences the glory of God, says, woe to me, I am unclean. And it says Isaiah fell as a dead man in the presence of the glory of God. Daniel fell as a dead man in the presence of the glory of God, Daniel 8, 17. Ezekiel fell as a dead man in the presence of the glory of God. That means they just fell on their face. They experience, they see the glory of God and they realize, I'm not worthy to even be in the presence of the glory of God. John fell as a dead man. The Roman soldiers, as they see Jesus on the cross, fell as dead men when the thunder struck and it all went dark. In the presence of the glory of God. And when the glory shines, verse 9 says, they're filled with great fear, these special shepherds that were raising lambs for slaughter in the temple. Now, man has always had this sort of fear of God. It's, it's, it happened at the fall in the, very, in the Garden of Eden, Right? We've always had this sort of fear ever since we tasted of what he asked us not to taste of. Listen to the very beginning in Genesis. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, where are you? As if God didn't know where we were. And he said, the man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. And I was afraid. Man has this fear of God. Because of our sinful condition. 
because of we, what we know we've done, because what we know we are capable of. Prior to the fall, God walked with man in the cool of the day, but once the fall occurred, you have God with infinite power. We have a God with infinite knowledge of us. He's our very maker, and now we have this great fear of him. See, what's kind of secret sin here on earth, I've heard it said once, is open scandal, the throne of God. He knows all. He sees all. And so because of that, we just have this fear of God. I don't want to get near him. And when I sense him, I'm afraid because we know we're guilty before him. We don't measure up. Right? We're longing for the favor of God to rest on us once again, but we know our condition and we're afraid of God all too often. Verse 10, here's what the angel said that first Christmas. This is good news. Fear not. Fear not. The first thing the angel said to Zechariah, don't be afraid, fear not. The first thing the angel says to Mary when he comes and tells her what's about to happen, he says, don't be afraid, Mary. The first thing he says here to these shepherds in the presence of the glory of God, don't be afraid. The first thing he said to Joseph when he tells Joseph this is what's happening to Mary, she's not lying to you, he says, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Why? Why? Well, is it because we're just... Well, maybe we're not as bad off as we think. God's just kind of a good old boy and we can kind of just not have to worry about it. Is that what he, God just wants to sort of be buds where that that sort of innate fear we have, it's not as bad as we think and God keeps having to tell us not to be afraid so kind of get over it and move on? No, that's not what's going on here. He says, don't be afraid. Why? Because God is bringing you something. God is bringing you something. It's not don't be afraid because oh, you're really just kind of a good person and you'll get by and at the end of the day, the the scales will tip in your favor and I'm sure you'll try your hardest and do fine. No. He says, don't be afraid. Can I get an amen? That's right. Because I'm bringing you something. Listen to what he's bringing. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people The reason we do not have to fear, the reason they say fear not, is because we've been brought very good news. That word good news that we see right here is the same word that we translate gospel. That's why gospel means the good news. So the angel is saying, he shows up to these shepherds on the very first Christmas, and they're afraid, they're terrified like we all would be if the glory of the Lord showed up. And the angel says, don't be afraid because I'm bringing you the gospel. I'm bringing you the gospel. It's not good advice. It's not a list of rules and a path that which you have to follow in order to achieve God. He said, I'm bringing you good news because God has already done something. It's not I'm bringing you good advice. I'm bringing you good news. The gospel is good news. It has happened. It's done. God is doing something. It's not just clever advice. 
It's not the latest podcast that you just have to listen to over and over again to re-remind yourself of the good advice to follow along. It's God has done something in history and it's finished on your behalf. Good news is something that someone else has done for you on your behalf and often you know nothing about it until the news reaches your ears. That's news. When we read the newspaper, We're reading about things that have already taken place, and we're reading of what has already happened or been accomplished, something that someone else does for you that often you have no concept of. And this gospel, this is good news, has been a gracious act. Something has been accomplished for you, and this is good news of great joy, of great joy. And this gospel, this good news of great joy, uh, does not follow along the traditional lines that we all think we need to hear, especially in this season. It's not about health. It's not about more money. It's not about a free vacation that you can win if you just do X, Y, and Z and just give me your email address, (laughs) right? It's not that kind of news or good news that you're just hoping you might win one day. It's not wishful thinking. This is the deepest inner human need, our identity, life, death, how sin can be atoned for, how the favor of God can once again rest on us as men and women, how we might be brought back to being called children of the Most High, children of God, and be in front of him and not be afraid. God is going to speak some things in this announcement of good news. And he's going to tell us how we will have the favor of God resting heavily on us. Here it is, verse 11. Here's the good news. For unto you is born. There's going to be a baby. There's going to be a baby. Of all the babies born on earth, there's going to be one singular boy. Do you remember the prophecy? All the way back in Genesis, all the way in the very beginning. It says that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. That prophecy, this is the fulfillment, that first Christmas. This is the boy that's going to be born that will crush the serpent's head so that we no longer have to fear. A baby's coming and he's going to do something for you that is far above something that we could ever ask or imagine. And that is that the favor of God can now rest on us as a people once again. And it no longer has to be done by the blood of a lamb spilt over and over and over again. It's going to be the final full sacrifice. This one baby boy that's going to be born. And it's not going to appear and then disappear. He's going to be the very son of God. Listen to this, for unto you is born this day, a point in history, in reality. It's not, just, it's not just some made up thing that's happening up in the heavens and we can't really experience it and know it. It didn't happen just metaphysically. He said, this day, today, in the city of David, in a real place, in Bethlehem. Remember Micah 5, the prophecy, but to you, O Bethlehem. 
And he goes on and talks about there will be a shepherd that's going to come and and the flock and the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their praise. Micah prophesied about this one that was coming in Bethlehem. And the angels say, here he is. He's come. And this is who he's called, verse 11. Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This baby will save you. He will do what you cannot do for yourself. All we need is the empty hands of faith. It's not good advice that we have to follow that he gives this to you. This baby is going to be born in humility and obscurity, and he is going to do the work that we could never do on our own, and we just have to come and believe and trust in the work of this boy that has come. Fully God and fully man. He is the Christ, the one the entire Old Testament has been waiting for. He is Savior. He will save you. He is Christ. The Old Testament has been hoping for him, has been longing for him. All of the Old Testament finds its yes in this one Jesus, the scripture tells us, this one that was born. All of the prophecy, all of the words leading up to this find its yes in Jesus. And this baby is Savior. He is Christ. And he is Lord. Fully man and fully God. In verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. The son of God, the one who will bring us the favor of God to rest on us as a people. Where are you going to find him? Are you going to find him in a palace? Will you find him in a castle? We find him on a bed of rose petals like he deserves. We find him enshrined in gold on a throne. No. You're going to find him in a feeding trough amongst barn animals. And that's going to be a sign. There's only one baby that night, that very first Christmas, laid in a gutter. In humility, that is the Savior that is Christ, that is Lord. The glorious one, the mighty one, the majestic one, the one that will take away the sins of the world is going to the lowest spot. And that's what's amazing is that the very same way that Jesus came in humility is the very same way that he will die wrapped in cloths, placed in a cave, in a lowly spot, a place of death, the glorious one going to the lowest spot to give you and I his favor for the glory of God that it may rest on us. That's how you find him. He goes to places we just don't, never would have thought he would go. He's with the children, the scripture tells us. He dines with sinners. Uh, He walks with fishermen. He spends time talking with prostitutes. If you go to the cross, you'll find him there. 
He's the ultimate servant king in the same way in which he was born is the same manner in which he will die. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And there suddenly was with the angel the multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, so here the angels are about to sing. They don't add anything to the message, these angels. Once the message has been delivered to these shepherds, The angels don't dare add to what God asked them to bring and deliver. They sing at creation, and they sing at this new creation, and they sing glory to God in the highest. It's all for his good glory. And on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. We have a play on words here, which is interesting. It's Glory to God in heaven above and down here on earth, peace. Praise in heaven, peace on earth. Peace in men of God's good pleasure. It could be translated literally from the Greek. Peace in men of God's good pleasure. It means in heaven is God's glory and because of the glory of God and this one that is born, he's bringing peace and favor that will now rest on a people once again on a distinct People for God's good pleasure. Those who will take this baby, believe by faith that he is in fact Savior, Christ, and Lord as declared by the heavens above. And there will be peace in those and God is pleased to give it. But in order for you and I to have the peace of God, there's a turning that needs to take place from ourselves and the turning to this one that is born that we grab on and grab hold of Jesus and we find his peace. I turn from my wisdom. I turn from my entitled rights. I turn from my grip on money. I turn from my love of comfort and I turn towards something else better. I turn to the word made flesh that dwelt among us that the angels announce right here. Instead of my righteousness that I try to attain, I turn to the holiness of God made known to me in his son, this baby that was born. This perfect one. Instead of me punishing myself for my sin and my wrongdoings because I just can't seem to get it right, the same things I trip up over last week and last year I seem to keep tripping up over, I accept the death that Jesus paid on the cross for me and my sins. Instead of me trying to earn my own salvation and the pleasure of God, I accept the free gift that is the gospel with the empty hands of faith that we may know God through this boy that was born, Jesus. God's favor resting on the undeserving because of this boy, because of Jesus. Do you have God's favor resting on you? Do you know Jesus? He's the whole point of Christmas. This boy that has come that will one day die and take away our sins that we can now as a distinct, unique people called under the holiness of God can have the favor of our creator God resting on us by the work of this boy that was born and we can trust in it and we can have it and it changes everything about us. That's Christmas. That's what it's all about. And if you don't have the favor of God resting on you because you've never received Jesus as your Savior, as Christ, and as Lord, you can turn to him today. Say, God, I don't, I don't have it all together, but I trust that Jesus has done what I could never do on my own. And I believe in what he has done for me. 
and I can trust in him fully. I don't even have to have the right words figured out, but Jesus, I need you to stand in my place. Jesus, I trust that you live the perfect life that I could not live. You died the death that I deserve, that I can now have the favor of God resting on me because of this boy that was born, your promised one, the one that we have longed for has come, that the entire Old Testament answers its yes to in this one Jesus. You can have the peace of Christ. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that... Christmas is so much more than um, nostalgia, that it's so much more than just lights, that it's so much more than just great time with family, but it is about a boy that was born in history. On this day, a Savior who is Christ the Lord has come and done what we could never do on our own. So we thank you for the declaration of that good news, the gospel. And God, I pray that we as your people would fall heavy on that good news, that we would experience the very favor of God that can be poured out and rests heavy on us. It doesn't come and go based on our performance, but it stays on us because of the work of that one that was born that first Christmas. And so God, I just pray this morning that all of us in here, And maybe someone in here for the very first time would open their empty hands of faith and say, I have nothing, Lord Jesus, but you have everything. I believe in you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. Thank you for what you've done. We thank and I thank you for this good gospel. It's news of great joy. Lord, do a work in our midst. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship in church.